you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to another week, another edition of Tapeheads Draft Season. Bob Oshusen, Greg Cosell, we are taking you right up to the draft with a podcast that hopefully, if you're a football nerd like we are, is just going to give you a different take on the draft, draft prep, the lead up, the prospects, what teams are looking for than you're getting anywhere else. Because this is not the podcast where we're going to give you mock drafts. This is not the podcast where we're going to give you, you know, trade scenarios. This is one where we take a deep dive behind the draft and how teams prep for it and what they're looking for and the prospects and how the way that they are being portrayed sometimes on the draft boards might not really be the way the teams are looking at it. Maybe a little misleading because Greg Cosell has been diving into the X's and O's and the All-22 at NFL Films for more than four decades. Longtime radio voice, the Jets. That's me, Bob Wachusen. And uh, Greg, this is, you know, where I think we start to, as we move through the draft process, get a much better idea of how teams start to view some of these prospects because we've now got the combine kind of in our rearview mirror. And we're going to look at wide receivers today. The wide receivers, some of them certainly made a name for themselves at the combine. But I guess the question would be, I'd lead off with this. How do you think teams actually in this day and age look at what these guys do in shorts and T-shirts at the Combine in terms of measurables and in terms of their 40 times and the shuttle runs and all that, as opposed to, you know, what what they're actually seeing on tape? Because wide receivers can be so varied in college in terms of the systems that they play in. Yeah, and that's a great starting point, Bob, because I think one of the things you see in college football, and obviously this is separate from the combine, but one of the things you see in college football are very limited pass games. Very often receivers might line up in one spot in college football. They don't move, and they only run routes based on lining up in that one spot. Uh, So the NFL game has become far more advanced in terms of wide receiver usage. So many of the old adages, oh, he's a slot receiver, he's only an outside receiver, those things have sort of fallen by the wayside in the NFL. Now receivers in the NFL 
NFL and NFL schemes, much different than college schemes, they will be used lining up all over the formation, outside, inside, in motion, very rarely in the NFL. And it does happen, of course, but less so than ever before. Do you see a receiver in the NFL simply line up in one spot? And you see that very, very often in college football. How about track speed versus field speed? Let's just get to the measurables we saw no, at the combine yeah. and, and how much I mean, how much teams really care or how much it moves a guy up or down the draft board, if at all, if all of a sudden a guy that was projected to run a four or five goes and runs a four four, or a guy we thought might run a four three, oh boy, he runs an upper four four, and all of a sudden there's a tenth of a second there that you weren't expecting to see. You know, the way I always look at that, and I've actually had conversations with many coaches over the years, and many coaches have told me that I wish we would put guys in, in uh, a helmet and, and shoulder pads to run their 40s, because obviously running a 40 in a track stance is not really representative of how he's going to play in an NFL game. Um, but the way I always see that is... If you watch tape of a player, and I watch a lot of tape of these guys, I'm not watching one or two games, I'm watching a lot of plays, and let's say a receiver at the college level is not truly a vertical receiver. His tape does not show that. Just because he might then go to the combine and run a 4-3-8 does not automatically, Bob, make him a vertical receiver in the NFL simply because he can run fast in a straight line and shorts in a t-shirt. And I'm not suggesting that that's how mistakes are made, but I think you have to be careful about allowing time, speed, and shorts in a t-shirt in a track stance impact what you see on film. What you see on film coming off the line of scrimmage, getting into a route in shoulder pads and in a helmet against a defensive back is a much better indicator of whether a player is a vertical receiver than watching him run a 4-3-8 at the combine. So what should we be looking for at the combine? I mean, what happens at the combine that doesn't make it a waste of time, at least in terms of what happens on the field. I'm sure these guys <laughs> right, are, right. you know, getting some quality time with the executives. I'm sure that the, you know, the coaches yeah. and the and the general managers, and the scouts, like you want to sit down with these guys and look them in the eye and have a man to man conversation, and that's sure. great. You don't have to put them in shorts and t-shirts and have them run around in Indianapolis to do that. So the on the field stuff, like what what does matter? Well, it's funny you say that because I spoke to a lot of teams this week that felt that. The on the field is becoming less and less important because what's happening, Bob, is with all the sports science technology and the increases in training technology, guys are going to look better doing drills. They're going to look more athletic. They're going to look more explosive. That's just the way of the world now with all the training advances. So you're going to see each and every year guys just test better and better and better for the most part. And then you have to decide what that ultimately means as far as playing the game of football. So I I think this year, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. Um, you know, I just got home from the combine, but I know that there were a lot of really fast 40 times and there's more explosive vertical jumps and there's more explosive broad jumps. So guys are doing better and better in the, the events that are viewed as explosive, but you still have to try to figure out what that balance is between that and playing football. So I think we're just going to continue to see more explosive athletic feats at the combine when guys are in shorts and T-shirts. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. You you want to see the game tape more than anything else. That has to be 95% of your at least yeah. player evaluation is what do they look like when they're actually playing football 
And I think the other interesting point that you made to kind of circle back to this about wide receivers just in general, we're going to get to the prospects. We're going to run through some of them like we did last week with the quarterbacks. But just in general, looking for positional versatility. Yes. Right? All of the different schematic changes that there have been in the last 10 or 15 years in the NFL. I remember talking to Keyshawn Johnson, being the longtime voice of the Jets, when Keyshawn was drafted by the Jets, Wayne Krebet was in the slot, and there was always that kind of, you know, rivalry between the two and, you know, give me the damn ball and Keyshawn calling Wayne Krebet the mascot and all that. Um, but I remember talking to Keyshawn about it. And saying, you know, do you think people understand how radically different the two positions that you guys play are? That what Wayne is asked to do in the slot is different than what you are asked to do on the outside. And we had a great talk back and forth. And now I'm realizing how somewhat irrelevant that talk is. Because now you don't want a guy that just goes all the way out to the boundary. You don't want a guy that just lives in the slot. We do label some guys outside and inside. But now I would think... Some of these play callers are looking for a guy I can move all over the field. I mean, you see like a guy like Debo Samuel that was made as a slot and outside receiver. All of a sudden, he's spending half his time with the 49ers in the offensive backfield, right? So how much the versatility that these coaches and, you know, offensive, you know, play diagrammers are looking for in this position now? I think that's really important. There will always be a few guys who are somewhat position-specific, and that's okay, obviously, if they're very good at that particular position. You know, we talk about, in the NFL, we talk about the boundary X position. That's the single receiver to the short side of the field. There are certain receivers that have those traits, and more often than not, let's say, will line up there. But for the most part now, the league, with all the formation variation, with all the receiver distributions and locations of receivers, receivers that's constantly changing you want receivers that you feel that can line up anywhere I mean we'll get to tight ends later down the road but I know that a lot of coaches I've spoken to say that they really want tight ends now that can be that single receiver to the short side of the field because you can learn so much more about a defense pre-snap for a quarterback which is ultimately the goal but as far as wide receivers you really don't want receivers that are just pigeonholed and can only do one thing because that limits what you can do with your offense your route concepts it limits what you can show the defense so right now receivers even smaller receivers we'll talk coming up about someone like Jahan Dotson from Penn State. He's one of those guys. He's 180 pounds, but he's not just a slot receiver. As you know, Bob, 10 years ago, we would have said he's a slot receiver and left it at that. That's not the case anymore. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the Jets have one in Elijah Moore. Oh, yeah. They drafted him from Ole Miss. And, you know, he has the size of kind of the prototypical slot receiver, but Yes. He was outside as much as he was inside this year and I think did some of his best work outside. So, um, yeah, there are, there are examples of that type of a guy all over the league. Before we get to the specific guys and kind of go prospect by prospect, how about just wide-angle lens? Is this a good crop of wide receivers this year? We've, we've had some historic classes yeah. the past few years. Does this one match up? I think it's really good. I mean, obviously, uh, the receivers – 
receivers and corners, because they're they're so valuable now in the NFL, those positions tend to have the most players drafted in almost every draft now going back, I think, five or six years. Maybe there's an exception one year. But I think this is overall a really strong class of wide receivers, and I think there's a lot of different flavors. And that's why, you know, for people who know me, Bob, I'm not a big list guy because, right. you know, I don't think you can compare a 5'10", 180-pound receiver to a 6'3", 215-pound receiver. I think that's a really difficult comparison because they'll be used potentially differently. Teams will see them differently. They're not going to be put in the same box. Now, we've got all flavors, by the way. Of the guys we're going to talk about, we are all over the place in terms of body types and measurables and the kinds of receivers they are. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to break down not only what teams out there might be the most desperate to get their hands on one of these guys, but who should be at the top of the board. And we're going to take a look at some of the best receivers in this upcoming draft class when we come back. Bob Oshusen, Greg Cosell. It is Tapeheads draft season. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on Tapeheads draft season. Bob Shoes and Greg Cosell kind of taking a deep dive into the wide receiver group this week because there are, and it seems like now, with as prolific as the passing games are, I mean, it's, you know, when we were growing up, Greg, it wasn't unusual for a team to be 60-40 run. Yes. Now it is completely flipped now i mean you got to have some wide receivers on your team because now 60 40 pass uh in many instances is the standard of the nfl so let's get right to it how about garrett wilson from ohio state would he be the top prospect to you in this class because it seems like when we talk about the different flavors of wide receivers you're looking for the guy that can check every box and he might be a guy that can check every box 
Yeah, I, I really like Garrett Wilson. I just want to make one comment based on what you said about the, the ratio, the run-pass ratio. The other factor yeah. is the amount of what we call 11 personnel that the NFL plays. By 11 personnel, we mean one back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. So three wide receivers play the majority of the snaps in the NFL. So obviously you need more receivers, quality receivers, than ever before. Um, but let's, So let's take a look at Garrett Wilson. Wilson, to me, me is a pretty refined, polished route runner. Um, his tape is really good. He's, I would say, as a as a route runner and as a player, he's not naturally explosive. Now, here's a guy that ran, I think, a four three eight at the combine. But I don't view him as a guy who'd say, "Wow, he's a vertical dimension." Can he get vertical? Yes, because he understands how to run routes. He's smooth. He's fluid. He has an intuitive understanding of how to set up corners. He's a pace and tempo guy. He has short area burst. He knows knows how to create separation at the top of his route stem. The player who came to mind when I watched Garrett Wilson, Bob, was Stephon Diggs. I thought he was very similar stylistically to Stephon Diggs. Yeah, it's a great comparison. And the next guy that I think we should dig into is Jamison Williams because the torn ACL, ah. you know, I mean, what, what do you do with a player that has that much talent? Now, we live in an era of sports medicine and sports science where guys tear an ACL and they come back and eventually become as good as they ever were before many, many times. There are many examples of guys that have torn ACLs and turn out to be just fine and go right back to being what they were when they finally are fully recovered. But as we know, there can be that kind of year buffer where they're back on the field, but they're not really themselves for a season or so. So you're drafting Jamison Williams for the long haul if you draft him. He's a rookie. How do you yeah. take the ACL and factor that into where teams are going to view him? Yeah, that is a tough question for me to answer, how a teams might view him. I can tell you what the player is, um, and I think teams will view that differently. Um, he's, to me, of the players I've seen, and obviously there's always 100 wide receivers, and I haven't seen all, all 100, So, but of the players I've seen, it's been quite a few. He's the most explosive vertical receiver in college football. He's got accelerating deep speed. He can get on top of and run away from corners. He has easy ability to track the deep ball. There's a natural quickness and explosiveness to his movement. Um, he can separate as well on intermediate routes. I thought he showed some detail and nuance to his route running, which doesn't surprise me, given that he spent a year at Alabama where they do a really, really good job coaching wide receivers. I thought he understood how to use his vertical stem to threaten corners and then snap off routes. Um, I guess the only question some might have is, Will he have the ability to make tough catches in traffic, make contested catches? I believe he weighed 179 pounds. But um, the former Alabama receiver, Devontae Smith, who was much thinner, I think showed this year that maybe that's not as big a deal as some, including myself, might have thought it would have been. Um, but there are not many receivers, Bob, assuming health, with his flat-out vertical speed, Big playability. He's an impact receiver and he's a game changer. And one thing I found out at the Combine and I've learned these last number of years, when you talk to coaches now about what they want from offense, the first thing they now say is explosive plays. Well, Traylon Burke's an interesting story as well because obviously 
you know, teams are going to, I mean, this might be the classic guy of I'm going to let the game tape tell the story and not yeah. be swayed by what happened at the combine, right? So when you when you take another SEC wide receiver that put up big numbers in the league that we all universally believe has the deepest talent pool, where do you put Burks? Yeah, I like Burks a lot. And it's funny you mentioned that because obviously uh, in this combine where a lot of guys ran really fast, he didn't. Um, right. So, but I would say that the tape tells you that he's not he's not a sudden explosive athlete, but he has size and stride length. And stride length can often compensate for the lack of, let's say, track speed. I think he ran a four five five. But when you watch his tape, he moves extremely well. He ran away from the Alabama defense on some vertical throws. Um, so I would say he does have a size-speed profile that can mismatch corners. He's got the versatility to line up in multiple locations in the formation, including the backfield. I would think some teams might see him a little like a Debo Samuel or, or a Cordero Patterson in the way that he can be deployed, lining up all over the formation. Um, he does have really good play speed, as I said, and I— and he has really big hands. He just snatches the ball out of the air. So I thought he was a really strong prospect. It'll be interesting, whoever drafts him, Bob, to see if they see him in that Debo Samuel Cordero Patterson way, or if just to get him started to learn the NFL, if they feel like, hey, he's a receiver, and that's what he is. Yeah, see, the, the reason this podcast is so great, listening to you, is if I'm, again, the football nerd, that wants to go to the bar and just steal everything that you're saying and impress my buddies. Like imagine sitting at the bar and somebody brings up the name, you know, Traylon Burks and, you know, well, let me tell you, let me tell you about his stride length. You know, I mean, all of a sudden your buddies gonna be looking at you like, where did you get that? Don't tell them. We're fine with you stealing our stuff. As long as you subscribe and listen every week, we're good with that. Well, just as a quick aside, I, I had to <laughs> learn that, Bob. Years ago, when I would watch receivers, bigger receivers, I'm going back 10, 15 years and I made a, a number of mistakes on receivers because of this, being honest, is I'd watch a bigger receiver and he, he didn't look fast to me. And then his 40 time wasn't great, like Burks wasn't great. And I'd say, oh, boy, this guy can't run. Right. And then the guy would get to the NFL and he'd be a vertical threat. And I'd say to myself, where did I go wrong? And so I kind of learned that stride length very often compensates for the fact that you might not be a true, you know, burner. Now, Randy Moss obviously was a true burner as well, but I remember watching him and a lot of times they would put him in motion and he would take three steps and he'd be 15 yards down the field. And, you know, some of these guys that have that kind of stride length because they're long, that's what it looks like. So they can run by corners, even though they're not four, three, eight guys. Well, another great example of, I guess, that type of conversation is Drake London, right? We kind of started yeah. off with two of the smaller guys, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams. Now we, we've got Burks, obviously, at, I guess, 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", 220, 225 pounds. Drake London's a couple inches taller, right? I mean, he's in the 6'4", 6'5", range, 210, 215. He, he seems to be getting off the bus more of the prototypical old-school-sized wide receiver. So how about his skill set? Yeah, and, and again... This is purely based on tape study. And I actually watched his tape from 2020 and from 2021. And I was, I guess, from obviously I talked to people, you know, none of us live under a rock, particularly at this time of year with the draft. Um, 
I didn't see him the way a lot of people do. Um, he's a size receiver. He's a length receiver. He's a hands receiver. He's very smooth. He certainly has an understanding of how to position his body to create just enough space to catch the ball. Um, he has great body control. Uh, he can make contested catches. That's his game. He makes tough contested catches versus tight coverage. So the question is, can he do that with the same efficiency at the next level? And that's an open question to me because one thing he lacks is he doesn't really have, in the term we like to use, he doesn't really have any twitch or suddenness to his movement. He's kind of a one-speed receiver. He doesn't really have an extra gear. He's not a vertical accelerator. Um, he doesn't really have top-end speed. So the question is, can he make the kinds of catches in the NFL that he made at USC because so many were contested. There's no question that he's smooth. He's a little bit savvy. Um, he works really well versus off coverage. He can find uh, voids in zone coverage. The question to me is, can he really play effectively on the outside um, and be that boundary X? The player I kept thinking of watching him, believe it or not, was Marcus Colston with New Orleans, who mm. played really predominantly inside and was really, really good at it. Uh, but that's the way I saw Drake London. A guy that I have a soft spot for, and I called a decent number of his games throughout his college career at Ohio State, is Chris Olave. I know that's the next guy we're going to get to. Yes. And I don't know, when I watched him, at least in college, he struck me... As like a Chris Carter, like all he does is catch touchdowns, right? He doesn't seem, I think, to have, and I, I don't know if you agree, obviously you did a deeper dive into the tape than I have done. It's not like he has that one specific trait that yeah. you wrap your arms around with Olave and say, oh, he's incredibly fast or he's incredibly strong. He just is a savvy, professional-looking wide receiver at the college level and every time it seemed like they threw him the ball, he caught it. And he was always productive, caught 13 touchdowns this past year. I just, I think he's going to be a really good NFL player. I, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, and I think he's going to be an interesting guy for teams because I think what you said is true. He's very smooth. He's very fluid. There's a certain amount of route technician to his game. I think you need to get him free yep. access off the ball, allowing him to use his vertical stem to set up and move corners off their spot. Um, he has a good feel for the pace and tempo of routes. I think he works best in space. Um, the one thing that he did not show, and I, I, I would question this, um, I don't know what's in his head, obviously, but I think the tape tells you that there'd be questions about his competitive toughness and his ability to make tough catches in the middle of the field. I'm not sure he's a catch-through-contact player. So I think you want to get him free access off the ball or you want him outside. So the question is, if you draft him, is he a compliment because he obviously does have a certain skill set? Or do you draft him and think, this guy's the guy? And I think that that's an open question, Bob. That's Greg Cosell. I'm Bob Wachusen. We've got a few more draft prospects to talk about at the wide receiver spot. And also maybe talk about the teams we think might need a wide receiver the most and where some of these guys might be in the discussion at the top of the board. What type of team and what type of receiver might fit the right type of team? We're going to get into that when we come back on Tapehead's Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. 
So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on this latest episode of Tapehead's Draft Season, Bob Wischusen and Greg Cosell. Diving into the wide receivers this week, we've got a few more prospects to talk about. We also want to talk about some of the teams towards the top of the board that might be most interested in adding a receiver, if not in the first round, maybe high in the second round. As the Jets broadcaster, I have to think my team is in the market <laughs> to add somebody at that position because they don't really have that, you know, kind of quote-unquote number one guy, or at least they need at least a 1A, 1B type. And uh, George Pickens from Georgia, Greg, that, I think that's the next yeah. guy that we should bring up and talk about. Again, getting off the bus looks like that prototypical tall, lanky, speedy wide receiver. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? I really loved his 2020 tape. I mean, obviously, he only played a couple of games this year. I think he only had five catches. But by the way, without knowing George Pickens, I think it says an awful lot about the fact that he chose to come back when he did not have to, knowing he would come out, Bob, into the draft. He could have easily said, hey, I don't need to do that. But I thought his 2020 tape really showed a high-level receiver prospect with all the traits you look for. Size, length, speed, hands, contested catch. I think that's what you want in, in an NFL receiver. And I think he totally fits the boundary X, the single receiver to the short side of the field. Um, I, I like, For instance, I like George Pickens more than I like Drake London based on tape study. Interesting. Why? Like, What, what do you think are the... The differences between those, because most people have Drake London a lot higher up in their mock drafts, quote unquote, than they do George Pickens. Oh, for sure. And of course, Pickens is coming off that ACL, which he tore in spring practice last year, but sure. he obviously came back. Um, I think he's a more explosive mover than Drake uh, London, and he's probably he doesn't weigh as much, but he's similar uh 
he's he's still a big receiver. He's not as tall, but he's still a big receiver. But you're talking about a long, smooth, competitive receiver. He can get vertical more than London can. Um, I just think that he's a better prospect overall. And I think if he had played this year, we might be talking about George Pickens as a top 10 pick. How about Jahan Dotson? You mentioned him in the first block, but, uh, you know, a guy that's... You know, I mean, he doesn't have that prototypical size. He might be the most diminutive of all of the wide receivers that get drafted in maybe the first couple of rounds. Where where do you think about him? Yeah, I really loved his tape as well. Another player I saw tape from both 2020 and 2021. Um, He's got explosive traits. He's got the ability to be a factor at all three levels. You can line him up anywhere outside and the slot. Um, I thought he was actually more explosive vertically in 2021 than he was in 2020. I thought that part of his game got better. He has accelerating speed to get on top of the defense. And what really stood out to me watching his tape, given that he's 5'11", 180 pounds, give or take, is I thought he was really competitive and fearless working the middle of the field. And that reflects a mental toughness that you just can't teach that. And you can't inculcate that with coaching. That's just part of him. Um, I believe he can be a multi-dimensional receiver. The player he reminded me of a lot and I think he's better though is Deontay Johnson from the Steelers. They're very similar in terms of uh, height and weight Um, and Dotson I believe ran a better 40 time than Johnson did at his uh, uh, combine. Um, I, I, I would not be surprised at all if Dotson was a top 40 pick and maybe got into the first round. I think he's a really strong prospect in today's NFL where you move receivers around, create matchups, get them free access off the ball. Uh, Dotson, to me, is a high-level prospect. Yeah, I mean, if you if, if you told NFL teams, I can guarantee you a better Deontay Johnson, he'll go in the first round. <laughs> I don't think there's any question someone is going to fall in love with a player like that. We'll see if someone does. How about David Bell from Purdue? Yeah, David Bell's a really interesting player because, again, he's one of those guys that's not explosive. Um, but he just is a good receiver. And and by that, I mean, when you, you think of traits, he's he's got good size. He's smooth. He's fluid. He's efficient. He understands how to run routes. He predominantly lined up outside in Purdue's offense, but he does have extensive experience lining up inside, and I think he can do both in the NFL. Um, His game is much more about detail and nuance and the process of route running. He's not a high-level athlete or an explosive athlete, but you can see from watching his tape, Bob, that the process of understanding route running and receiving is important to him, and he's made himself into a technician and a natural receiver. I think he has the look of a professional receiver, I think that his his production at the next level will be a function of of team and scheme. But um, in some ways, you know, he, he reminded me of, of, let's say, a Van Jefferson when he came out of Florida and got drafted by the Rams in the second round. Now, obviously, on the Rams, he's not a high volume receiver. But if he was with a different team, he might be. So that's why I mentioned with Bell, it'll be a function of team and scheme. But he's a very proficient, efficient, professional looking receiver. And you talk about the look of a wide receiver. Justin Ross from Clemson. I mean, he he looks like all of these other Clemson guys, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just another six foot three, six foot four, you know, fluid, athletic, gifted yeah. player. But 
I don't know that he is as high on the board for many people as in past years the top wide receivers out of Clemson are or have been. So what is he is he lacking something that maybe the Sammy Watkins and T Higgins of the world did um, coming out? What what has him drop it a little bit compared to other wide receivers from Clemson? I think I think there's a significant concern about the injury. Um yep. and I think that he hasn't, you know, played as I mean this was not a good year for Clemson's offense uh for the first time in quite a long time. Um so I think the combination of the injury and just lesser production has has people just uncertain as to what he is. If you went back before the injury and and that and his career continued on that path with all the traits you mentioned, Bob, I don't need to repeat them. You just mentioned them. I think he'd be in the discussion as a first round type player, but I think there's just a lot of question marks and when there are question marks and you have a deep receiving class, then those question marks are are pretty in the forefront of people's minds. Um, I'll yeah. tell you, there's probably a receiver you're not going to mention, but I, I, I feel I really want to mention him if that's okay here because oh, yeah. I, I, really, I, hear it, yeah. I really like this kid. I don't know if you ever did a Cincinnati game, but I, I really like Alec Pierce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's one of the more intriguing wide receiver evaluations in this draft given his measurables are really good. He ran really well. He's a terrific athlete. Now, he plays big. He plays long. He plays fast. He's a classic stride-length guy, as we spoke about already. Um, He's got great body control because he's such a good athlete. He's got hands to make contested catches. He'll be a factor in the red zone. I think he showed somewhat of a refined feel for separation at the top of his route stem. Um, I think Pierce is, and again, I know this might come across to some, and you know, people who listen to this know that I base this all on tape. I think that I could easily compare Alec Pierce and Drake London. I think Alec Pierce is a really strong prospect. Now he's not going to go in the top 10. I know that, but I think he's a really strong prospect. I think he's got stride length, body control, physical competitiveness, really good hands. I think he's a really good prospect. Well, and keep in mind, folks are going to say, well, the American Conference as opposed to the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten. And that might be true. But who did he practice against every day? He practiced against corners that are going to go. I mean, Sauce Gardner might be a top five pick. Yeah. So, like, he's practicing against, if not two, and Kobe Bryant on the other side. I mean, he might be a second round pick. So he practiced against corners every day at Cincinnati that are absolutely going to be taken if not in the like high in the first round if we're talking about Sauce Gardner and that's that's a great point because it's funny one of the things when I'm at the combine and and these guys speak at the podium that's one of the things they talk about all the time they get asked questions about you know the toughest guys they've had to play against or whatever and very often they'll mention their own teammates who are going to be high picks so the point you just made is a phenomenal point because he's going up against look sauce gardner whether he's top five top 10 top 15 he's going to go somewhere in there 
And Brian is is a really quality corner prospect as well. So these are players he has to go against every day. So they're NFL quality players. But, you know, he's just one of those names. Again, that's why when you ask me overall about the receiving class, a guy like that is what sticks out. Uh, there are probably others. Um, uh, there'll be other names, the Christian Watsons of North Dakota State, players like that. But this is a pretty deep class, mm-hmm. and it depends on on your flavor. What, what are you looking for in the context of your offense? Because so much of this, Bob, as you know, working for a team for as long as you have – is its scheme adaptability. Unless a receiver is truly transcendent, and there's not many of those guys, then you're looking for who fits into my scheme and what do I have around him so that I don't just draft the same guy. So that, you know, obviously the Jets have Elijah Moore, who they're very excited about, whose tape I loved a year ago. They don't want to draft another Elijah Moore. They don't want to draft the same guy with the same traits profile. Right. So the Jets aren't looking at Jahan Dotson as much as they're looking at a George Pickens or a Burks or a London. I mean, that they know that kind of prototypical bigger outside guy. So that was going to be my last question before we wrap up this episode of uh, Tapehead's draft season. Just a couple of minutes on if I'm a fan of Team X, who do you think in the first couple of rounds is going to be looking hardest at wide receiver? Obviously, the Jets, you just mentioned, I definitely think they're on that list. And they've got four picks in yeah. the top, like, 35. So, obviously, they could, early in the second round, spend a pick on a receiver if they didn't pick one in the first round. But who else would be on your list that you think wants to check the receiver box? And, obviously, we're doing this before free agency, so we'll look at the teams now. The yep. Philadelphia Eagles will certainly be looking at receiver. Um, I spoke to a lot of people defensive coaches in the league who say Devontae Smith is outstanding. So he's one receiver they have. I think they will absolutely be looking for another receiver. Um, I think Indianapolis does not have a first round pick, but it's a receiver deep draft. They will absolutely be looking for a receiver. Obviously they drafted Michael Pittman and he, I think he's quality, but I think beyond that, they'll absolutely be looking no matter who their quarterback is. Um, I'm trying to think. Any other teams immediately come to your mind, Bob? I think New Orleans, because of all the upheaval they've had at wide receiver, I would think they would be very much in the mix as well. So, look, in the NFL, even if you're deep at receiver, Sometimes you, you're just compelled to take another one because they're so yeah. important, right, because of how NFL offenses run now. So, yes. yeah, it's it's a good class. I'll be very interested to see where these guys go. And uh, we want you to download and subscribe and be with us on Thursday for the next episode of Tapehead's Draft Season because we're going to talk defenses. We're going to talk, I think, the most fascinating position in this NFL draft about the most fascinating singular prospect maybe in this NFL draft and the ups and downs from the combine as well. We will talk to you when the next episode drops on Thursday. Thanks for being a tape. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.